from the four. Kirk takes the snap. Looks right. Fade left. End zone. And it is caught. And with the sound of the horn, we welcome you back to episode two of the UK Scourges podcast. I'm your host, James, and this week we're going to take a look at the first half of the schedule, what to expect. We'll include preseason as well now. We've got the schedule released, and we'll go up to week six as we have a week seven bye. First and foremost, I'd like to give a special mention out to First and Ten for prizing the place for us to broadcast on the Channel 12 network. So thank you to them. Go check them out on Spotify, Google Play, and check out their Twitter at First and Ten. Quick news recap as we had a bit go off. Uh, the Vikings facility is expected to be open up on the 27th of May. 75 people max, no coaches, and it's going to be strengthening, conditioning, training only. No real skills done uh, just to get the players back up to fitness, which is understandable given the current situation. In other news, Anthony Harris finally signed his free agency tender, uh, franchise tag tender even, Uh He's back for the 2020 season, and the team are currently negotiating a new longer-term deal, as well as open up talks, which have gone positively, with running back Dalvin Cook. Anyway, with that, let's get into preseason. So first, the preseason schedule. We have a home game against the Texans, then we go away to the Bengals, away to the Browns, and finally finish, and I know this might come as a shock to some people, we have a home game against Seattle in preseason. Now, preseason is a special time for the NFL, more so because rosters are up to 90 men, and we are trying to cut down to 53. So, don't expect the starters to get all the game time. They'll probably play the first quarter for the first two, three games, and probably bump it up to the second, up to the second quarter for the last game. This is to see who of our lower round picks, our undrafted free agents, even so our free agent pickups are expected to make the roster. Personally, Sean Mannion's going to stay, Browning 2 is going to be in the queue room because he's had experience last season, uh, Nate Stanley, who we picked up in the 7th round, probably going to end up on the practice squad, but Mannion performs worst out of those QBs, but still probably gets the QB2 job just because of the NFL experience. Expect to see Wanham, Lynch and Wilkes all make the 53-man roster, and personally, I see Shamar Steven being cut as a cap casualty, just to make some room, get it all sorted. Hopefully we see Ezra Cleveland go to left tackle during preseason. He might not win the job straight away, but he'll definitely get snaps there. Reef, uh, coincidentally, will move down to left guard, as stated uh, in the draft recap last week. We expect Metalus to make the 53, the safety we took in the draft, and... Uh, Osborne's going to win the kick returns as per return job from Amir Abdullah, but Amir Abdullah probably stays on the roster as a third de- uh, third running back. Brian Cole, Kyle Hinton probably make the practice squads, and a key note is Quantry Davis, the undrafted free agent wide receiver we picked up, will make the 53-man squad. He's going to play somewhat of a prominent role, and as a bit of a bold take, because you're going to find out that I do enjoy my bold takes, I can see Quantry Davis having the skills to take the wide receiver three job. Anyone else we picked up in drafted free agents filled practice squads. All draft picks make 53-man squad, unless stated otherwise. 
preseason record, uh, it doesn't matter too much. It's not for the results, it's for the squads. Uh, but I see us going about 2-2. Two two. We'll probably t- pick up a win against the Bengals and the Texans. Might drop one to the Browns because Stefanski knows our defense to a degree. And it's the Seahawks. We don't have the best record against them currently. So with that, let's go into week one of the season. So week one, we open up with a home game, this time against Green Bay. Now last season, we went 0-2 against Green Bay. It wasn't a great season for us in the NFC North particularly, but this season I have some more optimism. During the offseason of the draft, uh, Green Bay notably added Jordan Love, quarterback, who seems to be Aaron Rodgers' heir apparent. Not straight away to be a starter, but Aaron Rodgers is potentially on his way out. Look to Aaron Rodgers being drafted when Brett Favre was the Green Bay quarterback for a reference to this. Adding on, they also added AJ Dillon in the second round of the draft. Personally, I don't see any of this as an immediate improvement for the team, as the starters, for the most part, are going to be unchanged from 2019. Aaron Rodgers might have a bit of a diva streak to him. Uh, He's said in interviews recently he's unhappy with the love pick, and he now has some uncertainty that he might not retire a Packer, similar to the Brett Favre situation 15 years ago. Uh, With this, you probably see... Uh, Aaron Jones be the starting running back and it'll be pretty much unchanged from season or first season uh, well last season key matchups we have the Vikings and Packers offensive line against the respective defensive lines whoever can play left tackle for us keeping Cousins upright because this was a problem last season against Green Bay is going to be quality I can see Cleveland doing the job more capably than Reef at the minute because I'm not sold on Reef as a left tackle. I can see him playing better as a left guard in truth, but it's whether the organizations trust to put a second round draft pick in as a starter week one against potentially your biggest rivals. Going on to the opposite side of all our defensive line, can we have Hunter, Pierce and whoever starts up at right Right end, uh, obviously with Everson Griffin being gone, it's up to someone like Ogdenabo or Lynch to take the starting role. Personally, I can see Ogdenabo doing it, but if I want to go for a bit of a ball take, say Lynch starts, can they all take down A-Rod? Um, personally, I say yes. Hunter's going to have a field day on that offensive line. He's ready, he's primed. First week of the season, he'll be fit and firing. I can see Hunter... Added with the fact that Aaron Rodgers has limited mobility, I can see him getting about three sacks this game. Probably the only person to record a sack, but still three is impressive. The main deal here as well is can our new young cornerbacks deal with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? Dantzler, Gladney are going to be absolute nightmares for the Packers to cover. They are physical, they play bigger than they are, they might not have the elite speed, but they make up for it with the statures, and given the fact that we managed to get Anthony Harris back and Harrison Smith is still at safeties, the coverage in the middle of the field and the outside of the field is going to be insane. Like, There's a lot of question marks because of the young stature of our cornerbacks and whether or not they're up to the task, but I am absolutely sold on it 100% of the way. There is arguably not a better cornerback core in the NFL in my eyes. And that's saying a lot. That's a lot of pressure not only on my words but 
for the Vikings themselves, but this is a team I truly believe has been upgraded from last season. The last big factor in week one, because there'll be a lot of questions going out, is can Justin Jefferson open up the passing game? He still has a lot of raw talent from an NFL standpoint, but until preseason comes and we see his snaps, we won't know if he's lined up in the slot or on the outside fully. But given the fact that he has a chip on his shoulder from the likes of Jerry Judy being drafted before him, he wants to prove that he is the best receiver in this draft. I could definitely see him performing well this game. Might record a touchdown, but not entirely sold on that. But he'll definitely go for at least 100 yards if he does well in preseason, remains fit, and learns a scheme faster than expected. As a prediction for this game... Definitely see the Vikings winning 28-17. Probably a bit closer than it should be. But that's week one rust for you. You know, everyone takes week one a bit slower. To a degree, it's still a competitive game. But fatigue plays a factor in because you're playing at full speed for a full three hours this time. It's going to play a part. Uh, Probably expect Green Bay to look a bit more inconsistent. And I still say from last season, they were one of the worst 13-3 teams in NFL history. If Cook can find his feet early on and the D-line just starts feasting early, Aaron Rodgers is in for a long night. And my last ball take for this game, Dantzler and Gladney are both going to get their first career interceptions this game. Moving on to week two, we have the Colts. Well, we go to Indianapolis. Last time out was 2016 and we lost 34-6. In addition to adding Phillip Rivers in free agency... Uh, they also picked up Michael Pittman in the draft. Now, Rivers is still a great addition. He's on a two-year deal, but he is aging, and they do have Easton in the back in case they need someone to step up in his place, as there do seem to be some concerns with Brissett. Uh, Rivers now has the accessibility of an elite O-line. Last time we played, Rivers was last season with the Chargers. We managed to register three interceptions on him in a 39-10 win. Um, we got on to that with the Elite O-line this is going to be a key key matchup obviously they've got Quentin Nelson who is the best guard in the league right now and they ranked third in the NFL in 2019 for O-line now despite the fact that we've got Barb, Kendricks, Hunter Pierce, Troy Dye who probably going to have a good game this game but still have a minimal impact and Ogdenebo to a degree uh this is going to be tough to try and get to Rivers and get the pressure on him early on and keep it sustained. If we can do that and we can sack him a couple of times, then that'll be perfectly fine. And we'll probably see a similar result as to when we played the Chargers last season. But another key concern is can the Vikings defensive backs t- take down T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman? They're fast, they are good receivers. Hilton has some health concerns, especially reaching the wrong side of 30 now, but for the most part, he's still an elite player. Obviously, Eric Ebron's gone now, he's gone to the Steelers, so tight end's a bit of a question mark as well. So if they can stop T.Y. and Pittman, and then go on the attack and stop Marlon Mack in the backfield, again, it should be an easy win for the Vikings if they can do all that. Uh... Bold take for this game, Justin Jefferson. He's going to put up two touchdowns this game. That's my bold take. This, this is way too early to make anything like this, but I am quite certain Justin Jefferson's going to put up amazing numbers this game. 
I'm going to go for another Vikings win here, 21 to 10. Uh, I think Rivers it doesn't settle in Indy straight away. The pressure we can bring on our D line is just too much for him, and we take advantage of that. Moving on to week three, we go up against the Titans at home. Last time out was 2018, we won 13 to three. The Titans key pickups, they tagged Derek Henry, so he's back for another year. They re-signed Ryan Tannehill to that monster contract, and they picked up Isaiah Wilson, who's a tackle. The key matchup here is absolutely rushing defense. Now, this isn't to say that the Vikings had a bad rushing defense last season. They ranked about 13th in the NFL, but with Derrick Henry, he is an absolute game changer. Once Derrick Henry starts rolling and gets those pockets and just goes downfield, he is almost impossible to stop. This then allows to open up play action and open up the passing game further, which could cause a lot of problems for the Vikings. Having said that, the Vikings ranked third for touchdowns allowed when it was a rushing. So adding Pierce to this, instead of having Linval Jones, if, who, whilst Linval was good, Pierce is a bit younger, a bit faster, a bit stronger, and I can just see him shutting down the run game. If we can do that, and this in lines with my ball take, I say Derek Henry doesn't go above 70 yards rushing. That is the ball take for this game, and almost certainly going to blow up in my face this one um, but looking at that if they can do this and they can force Ryan Tannehill to throw it more cut out the slants cut out the dump passes they should be fine force him to go deep break up the matchups we should be fine in this regard I can see if we start the run we'll start the pass and we'll swamp the Titans out again and we'll probably win about 20-6 moving on we go to week 4 and we are at Bill O'Brien's dumpster fire. I mean, the Houston Texans. Uh, last time out was a 31-13 win in 2016. The key matchup here is the Texans' new wide receiver call. They have lost DeAndre Hopkins. They picked up Randall Cobb and they picked up Brandon Cook. Is it enough to make up for the elite talent lost in Hopkins? Spoiler alert. It's not. But they are going to try. Uh, Deshaun Watson is still a capable quarterback. Probably one of the best in the league. Got to bring the pressure, keep Watson out of his comfort zone all game. Um, but this is a hard one to judge. With Bill O'Brien, you don't know if this is a rebuild. Are they still going to win now? It's so hard to tell at the minute. But... I can't help but see it's another easy win for the Vikings. About 24 to 10 this time, and the defense as a whole is going to register three interceptions and four sacks. It's going that's a bold take. Now we move on to the big game of the early season. We have our week five game against Seattle. Now, this is at Seattle and it's in prime time. So for the past three seasons, this has been a common theme. The last time out we lost 37 to 30 last year and that was primarily because we couldn't stop the run game as effectively as we needed to this is where pierce is going to be absolutely critical he's one of the best run defenders we could have got him and if he can stop chris carson and whoever's backing him up now there's still some uncertainty about this with the seahawks is it going to be Devontae Freeman, is it going to be Rashad Penny if he's fit and not placed on injury reserved? 
Or is it going to be Marshawn Lynch coming back for one more year? If we can stop the run, keep Russell contained in the pocket and pressured, and then just try and stop their elite wide receivers. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, both are amazing players overall. And just saying that you're going to stop them is a lot easier than actually stopping them. It's not as simple as, oh yeah, we're just going to put my cues on DK Metcalf because he's a physical specimen. And it's same. We're not going to say, oh, we're going to put Cameron Dantzler on Tyler Lockett because he is amazingly quick. You've got to play this smart, play to our strengths and force them to play against our strengths as opposed to playing into their strengths and trying to fight scheme for scheme. If I'm being realistic here, um, I'll probably say this one's another loss in Seattle. It's going to be agonizingly close and a story all too familiar for Vikings. We're going to miss out by three points and we'll lose 24 to 21. It sucks, but, you know, it's got to happen sometime. And this is probably the first game that we lose this season. But moving on, we have a bounce back game. We have the Atlanta Falcons. Now, last time out, we played them week one in 2019 and we won 28 to 12. The key matchup here, again, is D line versus their O line. Part of the six last season was how we kept Matty Ice under pressure and we recorded two interceptions and two sacks because of suppressor. As well as that, our special teams showed up. Now this is going to be a very critical one for the special teams. Can KJ Osborne be an effective kick returner? Like we know he should be able to, but can he take it to the house this time? Can we bring the pressure on field goal attempts and extra point attempts? Because that was a strong point as well with uh, Money Mart missing quite a few opportunities to get them more points and as well even one uh, potential punt blocks we managed to record one the first punt of the season against us and it just shaped the entire day if we can do that again start fast start hard start early we'll be fine ball take for this game we're going to have Ogdenabo, Hunter and Pierce all record at least one sack this game and as a result we'll probably see a similar same result as last time 28 to 12 win so after six games i have a same five and one realistically this should be what mike zim is installing to his players um it's not hard to expect them to be five and one at this point given the oppositions we go through the afc south only had one divisional game and against the falcons as well it's up for the grabs Next week, I know this has been a short podcast. Uh, this is due to some time constraints on my part, and I'm feeling a little bit ill. But next week, we'll address the second half of the season as it contains five to six divisional matchups amongst it. I want to give this my best time and potentially have my co host next week. But if not, I will still give it the love and care it deserves. Because we've only played one divisional game up to this point. We have two against the Bears, two against the Lions, and our last one at Lambeau. This needs to be analysed properly and not just say, oh, we're going to beat all our divisional rivals. Not to say that I don't think we're going to beat our divisional rivals because we absolutely are. We're the best team in the NFC North, but it needs to be done properly. So moving on, we have a quick, we have a quick question. Uh, David Moon in yet again. Thank you for the question, David. Asking, with the schedule released, what do you see our regular season record being overall? And which team do I personally see causing surprise this year? So... With it, I could expect the Vikings to go anywhere between 11-5 to 13-3. and 
This shouldn't be an unrealistic expectation. We have talent across the roster. Still think Kirk Cousins is the guy and he's going to lead us to the playoffs yet again. In terms of an actual surprise, I'd say watch out for the Denver Broncos. The pieces are there and the draft really only helped that. Drew Locke impressed me last season when he stepped in for Joe Flacco. He definitely seems to be the guy. Can he come up with the sophomore slump? We'll see, but I almost certainly think he will. Adding Jerry Judy to that roster is just amazing. It's a great pickup for them, and it's only going to serve to amplify what they can do. Alongside Noah Fant being fit, learning the schemes better, becoming a better player, and you even added Melvin Gordon to the backfield to help Philip Lindsay. They've done so many things right that I'd be surprised to see Denver fall off this season. And with that, I know this has been a short one. I do apologize. I've been James. This has been the UK Scourges. Stay safe. And as always, Skull Vikings. He gets away from the pressure. Fires to the end zone.